You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to another episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, along with our EV Focus website, The Driven, and of course, One Step Off the Dread Grid. One Step Off the Grid. And joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you? Hello, Giles. I'm well. Hello, listeners. Uh, it's uh, it's good to be back again. Tuesday fortnight comes around awfully quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> It does a bit, yes. Look, I, I feel I should, I should be um, saying, you know, what they say in some of those really professional podcasts. They go, it's Tuesday. Oh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> what, it's Tuesday. What are you going to do? <laughs> hang on, let me say it. It's Tuesday, May 20. Ta-da. Okay, <laughs> on we go. Um, look, I'm just trying to get used to this really big mic. I've, I've got, well, I haven't got a new mic yet. The new mic came but didn't work very well, but I've got this new setup. I kind of feel like I'm a bit of a pilot or a bit of a... I don't know what I am actually, um, but it's mm-hmm. a different room. It's a different setup. It looks very, very professional, but unfortunately, the sound is sounding okay, but not quite as crisp and deep and throbbing as we wanted. But um, anyway, um, well, you'll have to fix that if you want to take Alan Jones's slot, mate. There's a job going on here, but um, you know you'll need to, you, you know, just get used to the new rig, and then you'll be on. Well, as soon as I get used to this new rig, absolutely, 2GB. I think they're my type of station. I think they want to you know, they want to hear our sort of message. And um, I know there's a bloke called Ben who's in there yep. now, or he's going to go in there now, and he's going to be followed by Ray and Chris. <laughs> and I just think yep. Giles is just like the next natural thing, Giles and Nigel. You natural. know, I, I, natural. I, you know I, I can't imagine Ben, Ray or Chris saying anything derogatory at all about those sort of names. Nothing. Nothing. We better get on to business. We better get on to business. We better What's introduce going on? our guest. Now we're going to introduce our guest first, and then we're getting on to business. Um, I'd like to introduce Sean Goodsey from um, Clenergy, one of the sponsors of this episode, and um, a major player in the solar industry in Australia. Sean, thanks for joining this podcast. Oh, thank you. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, look, great to have you on board. Look, a lot to lot to discuss later on, but um, sounds like you guys are pretty busy out there. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a very busy uh, start to the year for us. Um, I think uh, it's it's all been pretty positive. Um, obviously, there's been some challenges along the way with COVID nineteen and whatnot, but uh, yeah, positive things to come definitely. Well, look, we'll get back definitely into that and find out more about your business and what your views of the um, insights into the solar industry um, in a minute, Nigel. Just first, let's just cover up on some of the important news around the place. Um, um, what is quite a lot, there's quite a lot going on out there. There's a bit of regulatory stuff. There's a bit of stuff that Emo are talking about. There's, there's plenty going on. What's the big one on your on your radar, Giles? Well, I look. I'm just look. Just the main stuff is just all the faffing around from the government and um, and some of their um, playing around with Arena and Clean Energy Finance Corporation and seeking to divert funds mm. to good old boondoggles like um, carbon capture and storage. Um, but you know, look, it's interesting to say, to see that when Nigel, not Nigel, Angus Taylor, um, does talk about renewables in a favorable tone, which is not often, um, the one thing he does like to mention is rooftop solar. He kind of, he's, he's kind of got that far at least, um, which is a major step forward. 
Um, and I know he's got rooftop solar on his farm down in um, southern New South Wales. So um, he obviously likes it and can see the value for everybody else. But um, yeah, look, just the bigger picture just you know continues to be frustrating and we just still wait for them to stand next to and listen to scientists and experts in the same way they've been doing with this pandemic. But um, another big step before they get to do that on climate change and energy, I think. But look, Nigel, what's your news of the past fortnight? Well, I'm going to start nice and easy because the fun goes on at home for me. Um, I, not only I discovered my leaking, my hot water system was leaking uh, about six months ago. You might recall we talked about that, and they came, got me a new one. My data helped to identify it, and um, recently. Uh, the kids and everyone, were, we kept running out of hot water. And we went, oh, and we're all at home. And we thought maybe it was that. And then I had another look at the monitoring and went, hang on, hot water system's playing up again. What's going on? Why is it coming on and off when it shouldn't be? Ducked outside and had another look. And sure enough, the overflow was leaking. And um, I thought it was the blow-off valve just with a bit of stuck stuff in it because that happens and it was new. But couldn't get it to stop. And so they had to swap the uh, the overflow valve out. And um, it's amazing the difference in energy consumption. Now that I've identified that and I'm watching it, of course, like a hawk now to make sure that it's been working. So, you know, just another example. And then I had yet another one where we've got a very trusty old slow cooker um that gets a bit of a workout in winter when everyone's busy and we're home late and whatnot we get the slow cooker on and there's a feed we I, I say we it was, it's not me it's not we it's claire and uh she gets it going but we've had this weird thing happening with it tripping the power and then it goes off and we have to throw the food away it's, it's not a discussion you want to have uh, so we got a new one finally and put it on today for the first time and so i've been watching it all day to make sure uh that it's doing what it needed to do and in fact tested the circuit with by switching other loads on and off to see if you know when you put the kettle on is it tripping it out because of a, a peak or whatever so i was using my, my logging as a diagnostic tool today to test appliances yet again but saving me money so you know that's what's been big for me today <laughs> that's pretty good look here's a technical question what are you cooking Oh, it's uh, <clears throat> slow, you know, slow cook. You beef. don't know. You don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, I lifted the lid, and I can smell <laughs> slow cooked beef. Yeah, it's going to be slow good. It's eight hours, eight hours, but very energy efficient way to cook. I might add. I I was you know anti the slow cooker until I just tested it and went actually no, it's really good. It cycles on and off. You wouldn't want to be a distributor uh, with you know millions of people having slow cookers going on and off every. Every 5, 10, 15 seconds, they go on, off, on, off, on, off. They just cycle on and off. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting load to watch. <laughs> anyway, look, what else have you got? Um, you've got some stuff from the clean energy regulators been bouncing back into action uh, in the last week or so. What can, you, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is actually a really – it's been sort of reasonably big news in the industry. I mean, any enforceable undertaking by the clean energy regulator is. We usually mention them when they come up. And uh, there was one that came out a week or two that everyone's eyebrows went up because it was about Trina Solar. And Trina had been around for a long time and, you know, pretty reputable solar company by, uh, by any measure, really. Um, but um, what ended up happening was the CER came out with a statement and said, look, Certain panels made by Trina Solar uh, have been deemed not eligible for STCs. 
And uh, so what does that mean? That means consumers can have them pulled off their roof and replaced if they want, or they um, well, they can just leave them if they're happy with them. Um, but um, Trina is liable to repay all the STCs for them. The consumers have already got the STC discount. Nothing changes there. They don't gain any money but the uh, but Trina are obliged to pay back the uh, STC value which is about two million bucks so it's a chunk of change so the question is what happened and um, you know I always if I can try to go to the horse's mouth so I rang Gavind country manager at Trina and said Gavind what happened mate uh, and he said well the, the simple fact of the matter is, you know, like all PV manufacturers, they use a variety of different factories uh, to sort of subcontract. It's not subcontract, but they have different plants where they make panels or assemble panels and do different things for different models and whatnot. And Trinera, like every other manufacturer, do a bit of that. Uh, they had um, got another factory up and running, and uh, what happened was that the paperwork didn't get put in to get that f- factory approved as a certified source of panels. That was subsequently discovered and so in the three month period while that factory was not approved it it was subsequently without any problem at all and now makes approved panels without any problem at all exactly the same line exactly the same process but for three months it wasn't on the books and so for that time uh, about four megawatts of solar panels came out of the factory and down to australia and so they have to be uh the stcs have to be paid back on those four megawatts now the interesting part about this is okay so how did that how did they get caught with that or how did that get uncovered they didn't they weren't trying to obscure it all out they they've really done the right thing um, what happened was Trina voluntarily joined up to the solar panel validation scheme which we've also talked about before it allows uh, it provides for serial numbers for solar panels from manufacturers to be submitted to a database it's managed by the CER and it allows consumers and resellers and wholesalers to confirm that the serial numbers are valid and are registered to that manufacturer to avoid parallel importing and to avoid fraudulently um, branded or labelled solar panels. So the SPV scheme is a really, really good scheme. Uh, it's, it's quite arduous. It's taken a lot of work to get it into place, but it is in place now. Trina signed up to it, and as a result of signing up, the SPV scheme said, hey, these panels aren't aren't certified. Where's the factory? Uh, and uh, so, ironically, Trina signed up voluntarily and caught themselves out with a little administrative blunder. Uh, it's obviously very embarrassing for them and, um, you know, uh, caused quite a bit of f- uh, hubbub in the industry and it's going to cost them some money. Um, nonetheless, talking to Govind about it, he said, look, Nige, you know, it was dumb and, you know, we made a terrible mistake and, um, you know, we'll pay, we'll do everything we need to do and we'll pay what we need to do and uh, we'll continue on. And it's business." Of usual now for the factory and for Trina. Um, uh, but he said, uh, on balance, the good news is that scheme has caught and will continue to catch out genuine dodgy players. Um, I, I wouldn't put Trina in that count. They made an administrative error and it's designed to catch those things. It shows the scheme's working, which is great. Um, so, yeah, a fascinating, a fascinating case. I think Trina have done a pretty good job of managing it um, and um, full credit to the SPV and the CER for having such a robust scheme. Well, that's right. That, well, those are the two things that sort of, um, yeah, leap out at me. It's just one, the, um, the important importance of paperwork and keeping the books in order and um, two, the fact that the regulator seems to be on the ball in this case. So um, that's a pretty good... Um, 
that's a it's a good, good outcome. Sign. Yeah, it's a good outcome. It's a good yeah. outcome. It's a good outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tuna Tuna were are really happy with the outcome because they've now been able to justify a, an extra compliance person in Australia. So they have got a full time person making sure that everything go, that goes on is is uh, fully compliant now. So they got some they got some extra help locally as well. Mm. Good one. Hey, let's bring back Sean. Sean, are you still with us? I am. Yes. Hey, good on you. Look, um, tell us a bit about Clenergy first, and then we'll go and talk about what's actually some of the driving forces of the industry at the moment. But um, we're very thankful to have Clenergy on as a sponsor of um, in, um, of um, Solar Insiders, and um, very um, thankful to you. But um, just just give us a bit of a background about Clenergy. Not everyone might know exactly who you are and what you do. Yeah, so uh, so Clenergy, I guess, is uh, most well known in the Australian marketplace for our uh, mounting systems. So we um, we manufacture mounting systems for the solar space, uh, ground mounts, and rooftop systems. Predominantly uh, rooftop in Australia, um, but we also uh, we have markets overseas. So Japan's another big market for us, and uh, and China, and uh, and now Europe as well, and Southeast Asia. Uh, the company was founded in 2007 uh, with the a couple of the uh, people that uh, our current CEO Daniel Hong and um, actually my father Mario. Um, they both came out of um, uh, a company called NEC, which is in the telecommunications space, and. Um, and they had the idea of uh, like Daniel could see that uh, solar was going to was going to be something. Um, to look at for the future, so they uh, they looked at developing an inverter for the market, and uh, so they put in a bit of money and started the development around that product, and um, and pretty soon uh, needed to find while that development was taking place, they had a couple of snags, and uh, they needed to find a way to generate a bit of revenue, and so uh, they went around and spoke to some of the solar installers back back at the time, and. And just ask them the question, you know, what are some of the challenges that uh, that you're having um, with regards to current suppliers? Um, and one of the things that came up was really that there was a problem with getting access to to good uh, mounting systems. Uh, it was difficult to get a hold of a product, certainly on the ground. So I think the normal lead times at that time were around about two to three months. It had to be brought in from overseas. Uh, which you know would cause delays on projects and whatnot. So Daniel, our CEO, had some uh, contacts back in China uh, in the aluminium extrusion industry, and they hired a couple of engineers here. They put together some designs with feedback from the installers, and they brought some products to market. and And pretty quickly, um, we we started to, to sell products into the market. So that's that's the basics of how the company was started. It was founded um, here down in Melbourne where I am now. And you want, you want mounting systems because, um, one, I suppose um, not every roof is just easy just to sort of, we've got to throw the uh, modules onto something. Um, somebody was talking to me, showed me a quote the other day. Um, it was a 10-kilowatt system. It was going to be in Sydney. Um, the quote they got was for it to lie flat in the roof. And I said, mm -hmm. well, you should ask them back about that, about, you know, why is it lying flat? And, um, and if it was mounted, would the extra yield they get from it being mounted, you know, offset and still give a, a satisfactory payback for the extra cost of the mounting system? So what's, what's generally the rule on that? 
I don't know that there is generally a, a given rule. I think that the, um, the different designers have different ideas about this, but a lot of times where I've seen solar panels being installed flush on the roof as opposed to tilted is, is simply because they're, they're trying to maximise the amount of um, panels that they can get within a, a limited amount of space. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, it does. Yeah, okay. So, so, so you might get more yield if you actually sort of pointed it towards, you know, had it at an angle, but not necessarily. Yeah, okay. So, so um, it's it's more about space or just sort of choice of mounting systems compared to whatever roof is um, your your Correct. Roof structure you're dealing with. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. and that's why you know usually if they do put a tilt on a on a commercial system, a lot of times it'll only be a very low tilt. It'll be a, a five to sort of ten degree tilt on those systems generally. Okay. Whereas on residential, they'll usually sort of sit it up at about. 20 to 30 degrees, I suppose. Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm. Mm. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of very reasonable compromises that need to be made in that space as well, right? With aesthetics and with wind loading. Um, and, and so, you know, these days I don't think, you know, panels have become a lot cheaper, so it does make more sense to low, to lay stuff down and keep it as subtle as you can and low wind profile and, and, you know, not sticking up like a sore thumb. Uh, you know, it's pretty hard to make a, a, a you know, 45 degree array look mm. good on a roof, right? Maybe the Clenergy stuff's a bit better than the other stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it is, it is challenging and that does come up. It's, it's not just aesthetics. I mean, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, you need to be able to get uh, approval if, if we, from time to time we have issues where if the panels can't sit above a certain roof line because of the neighbours not wanting to be able to see that or they won't be able to get council approval and that sort of thing. But so, yeah, generally it's, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. in commercial, it's either flush or sort of five to 10 degrees uh, in residential, yeah, about 20 to 30, mm. I suppose. Oh, fair enough. There you go. I've kind of, it's mm. been, it's, you go, Nigel. <laughs> Sorry, Charles. You go, Nigel. I was, I was just going to say, I mean, I've watched you guys, uh, knew your dad uh, before I knew you, mate, and, um, you know, watch Clenergy bounce along and ride the solar coaster over the years. What, what's the biggest lesson you guys have learned along the way? You know, you've got a really good reputation out there now and, have been, and you've survived. Uh, well done uh, and, and perhaps even prospered a little bit. Um, what, you know, what's, what, what are some of the big lessons you've learned along the way? Yeah, look, I mean, there's been a lot of lessons, obviously. Um, it's hard to say what the biggest lesson would be. I think the biggest lesson is learning how to learn your lesson uh, in general. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's learning from the mistakes. We're all like going to make that. mistakes. It's, um, it, mm. But if, if we can, as long as we're tracking those, those as they occur and recording them somewhere and we've got resources available to really address, not only to fix them up as they occur, um, which you know means you know, generally making a customer happy and 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 offering something in return for for any problems that we may have caused. But it's also about looking at you know what what really happened upstream that that caused this issue and what can we do to make sure that we don't have these problems again. And that's the really challenging part. Um, but we do spend a lot of time thinking about that as a company, and we are and we do put resources into those positions to be able to 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 really sit back and and try and preempt these things before they happen. So I guess as far as lessons go, that's the biggest one for us, you know, learning how to learn our own lessons. Mm. 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 That's, a, that's a good one. And that leads, that's where innovation comes in, right? Because then you've got to go, how can we do this better? How can we, how can we make better products? How, how can we, you know, do we need to train installers? Do we need to provide materials? Whatever, whatever it may be. I mean, you guys just, it's, you know, 
dumbing it right down. It's, it's aluminium rail, but we can get quite excited about aluminium rail as an industry from time to time. I know I have. Yeah. Uh, um, what's 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 the coolest innovation that you guys uh, have have been playing with? I'm seeing, you know, for example, car shades and various other things. What, what's out there that's you know getting you excited lately, Sean? Well, it's funny. We're we've been working on something for probably over two years now, um, which is actually, funnily enough, going to be released in two days' time, I believe. Or it's it's the release date is for this oh. week. It's a really. If I had to pick, you're giving us a here, scoop here. Yeah, it's a, it's a scoop. It's, you're giving us a scoop. hot off the press. <laughs> No, it's uh, it's a product that yeah. Look, we've been doing a lot of testing on this. It's it's uh, we're calling it the universal quiplock clamp, and you know what this really came came out of. It's it's a clamp that has been designed to be able to fit um, any number of different non-penetration roof profiles. So you've got quiplock roofs or long line roofs wow. or many others, yeah. Um, yeah. and a lot of things you see. You've probably seen this, Nigel, a lot um on on the facebook groups or certainly this is something that comes up through our wholesalers and, and throughout tech support team all the time people will send us a photo of a roof or they'll post a photo of a roof profile and they say what you know yeah. what what sort of clamp works on this roof profile and the, yeah. the problem with that is um you don't know exactly what the roof profile is. It might look like something, but you can never really be sure unless you've got as-built drawings from the uh, from the from the builder or, or the customers, you know, showing specifically this is the, the roof sheeting that we use. This is the manufacturer that manufactured that sheet. Um, or sometimes you can see a sticker underneath the roof sheet itself, but that can be challenging to get access to and to, and to find out. And so that that in itself is a challenge. But so what we tried to do is we work with. We work with uh, with uh, uh, Blue Scope Steel, um, you know, Lysart, uh, and and we get access to the most common roof sheet products in the market. And with this new product, we've done testing on I think um, 17 or 18 different roof sheet profiles. Um, and what we do is we do we do real world testing. So we'll actually get full sheets. Um, and, and set them up in, in, a, in a NADA approved lab down here in Melbourne. And we do pull testing on these things in different locations. So we'll join the sheets together. We'll attach them to using the clips, that, uh, the exact clips that they use when, when they sell these, 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 uh, these products. And we'll do pull tests and we'll see where the failure points on these roof sheets are. And 95, 95% of the time, the roof sheet comes off the roof before the clamp comes off the roof sheet. And this is really important because, mm -hmm. you know, I know some, in, I've seen some testing where they'll only test the, the actual clamps down to the roof sheet itself. They'll pull it up using one of these rigs or these machines, and then they'll use that as their failure point. But that's not really correct because in our testing, we find that the roof sheet will actually lift off the roof. Um, and so we had to go through that whole process. Uh, and then with all that data, um, take that, feed it into our structural engineering team and do all the structural engineering behind that. And so it was a really expensive, a really long process. It's the longest we've ever taken to release any product into the market, but we're, we're actually here. Uh, it's, it's coming out this week. So I'm really excited about that one. I think it's going to be hopefully the go-to for, for, um, for installers when they're, they're looking for a product for, for non-penetration roofs moving forward. And what that is cool. That? Giles, I don't know if you're as excited as I am uh, about this Well, clamp. I'm pretty excited about the but name. I tell is, you. That the is, it, is that the clip clock, the clip clock clamp? <laughs> 
That's what you said. <laughs> yeah, the, the universal clip lock clamp. It's a bit universal of a mouthful. Universal, universal clip lock clamp. <laughs> I've seen that after I love it. Uh, no, having 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 done some design and you know worked with lots and lots of very much cleverer people than me on uh, all sorts of metal roofs, I know what a huge challenge this is. So that is a great example of. Um, of the kind of innovation that um, uh, that you can uh, tease out from a, from a good business. So good on you, good on you. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been a long time in the making, like I said. So mm. it's very exciting for us. Too. Oh, good stuff. So look, how's the market going then? Um, you know, COVID just seems to have been up and down all over the shop um, for solar people. Um, how you go? How you seen the market, and, and and how do you see the rest of the year? Given that we seem to be emerging. I was going to say tentatively, but there's nothing tentative about the sort of the re-embrace of the of um of what used to be the normal lifestyle um over the last few days. But um, everyone just seems to be out there. But um, what's your reading of the market? That's a good question. It's look, I mean, I can I can speculate, I suppose. If I look back at the the way that the first the start to the year was for us, it really did. It seemed to track. Um, pretty similarly month to month as far as the peak, the, the peaks in the, in the troughs um, as last year. Um, and But I think we were, you know, probably roughly maybe 30% up from, from where we were um, the same month um, last year, uh, which, is, which is positive. What I'm really, I, I, I tend to think that this year is going to be okay. And, and I'm, I don't know much about economics or you know or things that are happening um, in that side of the world, but it, it looks like um, what I'm expecting is that if we're going to see any real negative effects from um, what's happening with COVID-19, I'm kind of expecting it to be next year maybe um, rather than this year. I think that with uh, with the Australian uh, or with the um, Reserve Bank, you know printing money now and which it seems to be the first time in history that, that Australia's gone down that quantitative easing part, um, path. I think that's going to prop things up a lot. It's going to bring back a lot of consumer confidence. Um, and so I would expect that this year should be, should be pretty good. But uh, obviously with that means that we're devaluing the Aussie dollar and, um, and things will probably end up being a bit more expensive. So that will, that should have some um, some negative effects on the on the market in general, but I probably you know I, I don't know a lot. I can really I really only like to look at what's what's already been rather than try to predict what's happening in the future. I suppose. No, look, that's an interesting take actually. The fact that um, the market has probably defied a lot of expectations and held up reasonably well. And I guess you could probably just say that's from like a lot of inertia anyway. Um, it was kind of, sort of rolling along. Um, took a fair bit to stop it. But there's been all these incentives, you know, you mentioned quantitative easing, there's been a lot of money put into the economy, there's been um, extra incentives for depreciation write-offs and things like that, mm. So, and business stimulus things. So maybe that sort of carried the market through, but then next year could become, um, you, you could sort of find the flip side of those, um, you know, the, um, the downer after the upper type of thing. So, um, yeah, interesting perspective. Mm. But, um um, but but when, what about the long term though? I mean, just sort of um, you know, sort of five to ten year outlook. I mean, do you do you do you think about that, or you just sort of just sort of pedalling so fast? You just trying to catch up with the the day to day. Do you ever sort of sit back and think, oh, geez, where, where's the market generally going? Where's the 
Because all the forecasts seem to be that it's going to keep on going. I know. Yeah, look, I, I, I like to think positively and, and hope that um, that the market continues to grow. It seems that it's that it's heading in that direction. But you're right. I mean, it's with everything that goes on, it's it's hard to find the time to really you know speculate too much and, and too far out. We want to certainly make sure that um, that we continue to increase our offering as far as products go, uh, and so you know we continue to to put money into development uh, in those areas and to and to try and strengthen our relationships with our with our wholesale channels and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really not sure to be honest. I I I feel like I I guess you would say I'm bullish on solar, um, uh, but in general. I'm really just licking my finger and putting it up in the air at this stage. That's okay. That's what everybody else is doing. So, um, Nigel, when you licked your finger last and stuck it up in the air, what did you what did you feel or hear or see? <laughs> yeah, look, I'm 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 a bit the same. I'm pretty bullish as well, and we're seeing, um, you know. Uh, the market is much stronger than we expected it might otherwise be. It's not slowing down for us. It's picking up speed. Um, you know, new inquiries are coming in strong. Um, um, projects are proceeding. I am hearing some that are getting stalled. You know, there was a sorry tale yesterday about a quite a substantial project in WA that um, on, on a community that, that, that they can't get onto. So, yeah, there are still examples of the market slowing down, but uh, I think overall um, it's still chunking away quite nicely. The thing that I continue to hear from an increasing number of people is that um, it's the quality end of the market uh, which is actually winning here. People are a bit more um, discerning perhaps, you know. Uh, they've maybe got a little bit more time to do some web searches um, during the day in between, you know, Zoom meetings. So, you know, uh, there, there are definitely some positives coming out of it. Well, that is a good thing. That is a good thing. Are you are you seeing that, um, Sean? Yeah, yeah, I am seeing that. It's um, yeah, it's. It, I think from what I'm hearing on the ground, it's it sounds like the the amount for a period of time there, the amount of new leads that were coming through were certainly were reducing, and there was a couple of polls that went out that uh, that seemed to um, confirm that. Um, but you know, talking to some of these guys, the same people, they would they mentioned that that the quality of the leads was much better. So um, it seemed like really the only people yeah. that were calling yep. were the hearing that hearing that, that a lot um, that were actually probably going to go ahead. You know, so yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Excellent, Nigel. Is there any other sort of um, solid news around the place? What do you what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, look, I, I actually want to give a shout out to um, to the guys who've put together Solar Yarns. I don't know if you picked up on that, Giles, but um, the guys up at um, Supply Partners have started a, a series. It's and it's it's actually pretty unique. I think it's the first time it's been done actually, where they've got a real genuine live interaction going with people out there and you know they bring in a few guests they had finn peacock in the other week um who's always got some interesting things to say i was in the week before um but more interesting than that they, they we're just sort of you know conversation starters really but but what ends up happening then is that people join and they ask to, to participate and so live um both on video and audio um 
they're, they're having a yarn about what's going on and talking about interesting issues. So good on the guys at Supply Partners. They've run a couple of them already. Um, it's a really interesting innovation in, you know, how to kind of network when you can't network, um, which is cool. There's, there's, you know, there's video conferences and various things going on all over the place. But having something truly interactive like this, Big shout out to him. I think it's really cool. Yeah, good one. Excellent. Yeah, God, there's so much happening on Zoom and webinars and stuff like that. But um, so many. I wonder when when people actually get any work done. Yeah, yeah I'm not. I can't keep up with them. Oh, there, there's. I think there's one on this afternoon actually that I was planning to listen to, and I just cannot keep up with them. There's heaps and heaps. But that's good. It's an opportunity for everyone at a time that suits them. They can jump onto something, uh, both uh, locally and internationally. There's there's heaps of them. So. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, really good. Yeah, Sean, has COVID um, nineteen changed the way that you guys work, and has it changed the way that you guys work in any lasting fashion? I mean, are there some things that you won't go back to um, once we sort of emerge from this? As you know, has has the social distancing and all the other other sort of um, things sort of caused you to rethink and find a better way of doing things? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, the obvious one is having people working from home. Um, I didn't, I mean, it's kind of two schools of thought on this. I think uh, the working from home thing, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's a relatively new idea. It's, it's very Silicon Valley. It's, it's very new. And I guess the young, the younger generations tend to embrace it a lot more than the, than the old, than the old guard, I suppose. Uh, and so, you know, and, uh, what I think it, the positive that's that's going to come out of this, I'm a supporter of, um, of of being able to be mobile in your work because a lot of what I do is, you know, I do a lot of travelling, so a lot of what I do is already out of the office. Uh, and so when when this occurred, you know, we made a pretty smooth transition to to get everybody set up uh, at their homes with the with their laptop and and Zoom and and whatnot, and it's worked really well. There hasn't been one time really during this this crisis where uh, where I've thought to myself, "Gee, this is really causing problems now." I mean, I guess one thing was I, I didn't have a printer at home, so I had to organise to get to get a printer at my house, but and do a lot of printing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think I'd like to carry that back that 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 lesson back with us, uh, and and really. Give give a bit more freedom to to the staff to, I mean, at the end of the day, we don't need to be watching over people to to make sure they're clocking in and clocking out. It's it's a, it's about results, isn't it? So, um, and so if the results are are there and, and someone decides that they 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 prefer to to work half a day at home for whatever reason, um, I'm all for it, really. And I, I think the one thing that the negative probably was, or which is another lesson, I suppose, was. For a lot of people who weren't as fortunate as myself, you know, I have I have my kids here half the time and uh, and my partner. For some of the others who were um, living alone in, in you know one bedroom apartments and, and whatnot, it, it it was quite isolating for them. And so, I think the the lesson was, you know, it, it makes you sit back and realise, gee, you know, it, it really I really do enjoy just getting out and, and seeing a friend and, and sitting down in a cafe and having a coffee and and those sort of things. There's been a number of times myself where I thought to myself, oh, why just nip down to the pub for a quick pint or something? And, oh, no, I can't, you know. So I know, uh, Nigel, I'm sure you've probably had that same um, 
that same desire from, from your end. Mate, my, my, my wife runs the best bar on the northern beaches yeah. and it's 450 metres from my house and I can't go there. Trust <laughs> yeah. me, it's on my mind. So that has been a challenge as well. But, um, yeah, if, yeah. I, if I could take anything from it, that's that's probably what I've learned from, from yeah. this whole experience. What about you, Nigel, in, you know, growing business, solar analytics? Um, what's been the learnings there? I mean, I know you're not the chief executive, but um, what's, what's, the, what's the feeling that um, is, um, things have changed permanently um, in the way you guys operate? Yeah, I, th- I think they probably have. Um, I think they probably have. We started having some management conversations about this. Um, well, not started, but we had some more today, actually, as we do every every week. And uh, you know, certainly, um, we've already we we were lucky. We we're it's eleven weeks for us now. Incredibly, that we just turned the business off from the office and we said, "Go home, don't come back." until you're told otherwise. And we're now starting to talk about opening the office back up. But most people are saying, why? Um, there is a need for interaction. There is a need to place uh, and a place to uh, a place in a time to, to meet face-to-face with customers and your peers. Um, and there are some things that are a little bit trickier, that's for sure. Um, uh, you know, it's been a, it's, it's a big adjustment uh, to get all the technology right. But you know what? The world's pretty much got away with it and done it. Even, geez, even my 12-year-old's been up upstairs learning how to homeschool himself so we believe um so you know um um uh, with the science teacher called last week but it was okay he just missed one so it's okay. <laughs> but you know it is it is an unprecedented adjustment um but you know what we have all been able to do is go hang on there is another way we could do this and i'm sure there'll be some lasting uh, lasting differences. I know, you know, for me, and I'm sure this is, I'm not, I know I'm not alone in this. Um, the lack of distraction from being in an office compared to 40 people, um, I find very, very positive because I've, I can focus on tasks and I can kind of switch everything off and, and just try and focus a bit more. Although there's lots of channels coming at you digitally, you can kind of switch off a little bit and focus on getting some stuff done. So I found that really, really helpful for my productivity. Um, um, so yeah, and you know, so yeah, I'm sure there'll be lasting, lasting changes. Geez, I'm the opposite, you know, I, I really like going and sitting in cafes and just having all the hubbub around me and it just allows me to sort of shut it off and just sort of get into something where I need to focus and, and concentrate and that sort of, that wall of noise, I actually kind of find comforting and allows me to focus. Must be the old training in the old ah. newsroom with all those old metal You need to come writers. and sit next to Kathleen Ryan. Well, no, no, but... but you, you need to come and sit no, there. No, I can imagine. I can imagine what would happen then. And and look, it, it may be it, it may be a problem because when I come home now um, and I'm working from home, and just one person gets a bit of bubble wrap and paper, and just um, and I'm just going, oh, I can't work here. It's it's intolerable. You know, like the noise is about you know one hundredth of what it would be elsewhere. But it's just a just the type of noise. But um, anyway, white noise, anyway. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, look, um, we probably should wrap up first, but we're going to have to go to um, a little bit of electric vehicles and and electric motorcycle news or non-electric motorcycle news, um, as the case may be. But, um, Sean, look, just... um I just better check. Are you a um, are you an electric vehicle aficionado or owner or driver or um, or dreamer? Uh, the closest I come is uh, is, uh, is is an e- is an electric bicycle, but um, no, I don't have an I don't have my electric vehicle just yet. My electric car, no. Well, well, tell us about your electric. Soon, bicycle. That'll be the next one. Definitely. But tell us about your electric bicycle because I reckon that's going to be the next big thing, particularly with everyone urged to go to work. Uh, well, a lot of people urged to go to work. Um, 
told not to catch public transport, you know that um, everything else is going to be an absolute traffic jam. And I reckon electric bikes are selling are selling their socks off. How's yours? Yeah, look, uh, I, I actually, I've, it's it's at my, uh, my my father's house at the moment, so I haven't been using it for a little while. But I, I did ride it uh, to work for quite a while, um, and it was probably only added maybe ten minutes to my trip, I suppose. Um, I, I wasn't getting a lot of exercise, to be honest. I was letting the bike do a lot of the work, but uh, it was just, it was good. It was enjoyable experience because most of it was riding on a bike path and, you know, and I did sort of come to the, I ran the numbers and I thought, you know, I wonder if I could just do away with the car altogether and just get away with uh, with an e-bike, you know, you save on rego and insurance and and whatnot. Um, where I struggled a little bit was the power. The uh, this, this, this bike was actually one of the ones that, um, uh, uh, my dad, uh, he was looking at bringing some in as a, as a, you know, as a new business venture. It didn't really, it didn't really take off in the end. But um, so he brought in a, I think a twenty footer worth of, of bikes, uh, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, it was. Uh, but the, the problem with the regulations is that the, the motors aren't. They're just, they're just not powerful enough for me. Um, uh, if that, if you want to have them legally ridden on the road, I think that they were built around the European standards or something where it's relatively flat uh, in a lot of those places. So I think it's 250 watts is, is, is the most you can legally get. Nigel, you probably know more about this than I do. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, and for me, it just—I yeah. it, think it, you'd sit it around about twenty-two kilometers an hour or something, which just—I w- I would have liked an extra ten kilometers an hour. You know, that would have been nice, mm. probably. But that uh, no, was—it was good. It was a good experience. So. Mm. No, that's like fun. That's um, that's faster and more powerful than your electric bike at the moment, though, Nigel, isn't it? Oh, oh, what a horrible thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the saga goes on. Yeah. Yeah, no, still not working. There has been there has been movement. There has been movement. I don't want to give anything away yet, but there has been some movement. And you know, I'm I'm blessed to be surrounded by um, um, some really committed and dedicated people in Australia. Thanks, Brett. Uh, who hopefully one day will manage to get it going with the help of the factory. But you know what we've learnt through this is that the factory has some very complica- complicated CAN bus stuff going on, and you know without their help, they you know you can't really crack it and do certain things and so it's been very very difficult so nonetheless uh you know i'm continuing to work on my vintage petrol bike that i bought uh, as a wreck from just down the road from you actually giles um which is uh, ever nearing completion it's been a monumental i think i'm up to over 300 350 hours of restoration time so far and but you know what's interesting i mean it's a delightful project and it's been perfectly timed with covid to keep me you know busy in the evenings and have a little bit of a, a something to focus on other than work um so it's been a joy uh doing a doing a motorcycle restoration but i it dawned on me the other day because i heard an old bike that was sort of similar vintage going down the road and i thought oh, i listen to that bloody noisy piece of crap and i went oh shit that's going to be me that's going to be me and it suddenly <laughs> dawned on me that i'm going to have this yeah there's only so much you can quieten them down right on a big old single and uh, you know I, i've kind of i had this moment where i went it looks sensational even if i do say so myself with all this beautiful polished alloy and you know all sorts of things and it's going to look lovely as an old bike but uh i'm actually really nervous that i'm going to ride it and just go nah 
I hate the noise. I I just I'm over the noise. You know, I don't want the noise. But it's just it's a price I've got to pay. So um, that's been my revelation. No, no, just just take a just take a photo, <laughs> mate, and be happy with that. You don't think in the future, Nigel, that they'll have uh, that they'll start putting speakers on the the electric motorbikes to make them sound like the old. Uh, Oh the yeah! Oh, it's not the future. It's the present. It's the present. No, no, no. You, oh, really? Yeah, in some places, you you kind of you actually have to have a noise generator below a certain um, speed in some areas for pedestrian alert stuff. Um, I don't think that's really affected okay. the motorcycles so far, but I know it affects cars in a lot of areas. And actually, I have I I had a noise generator on my bike uh, that um, you know uh, someone I who's very dear to me was quite concerned about my safety and was concerned about how quiet it yeah. was, and so. I experimented with a noise generator and I just, you know, I, I, I had the option not to switch it on when I was riding it, shall we say. Um, but um, <laughs> I'm, just wondering if this is, I'm just wondering if this is an opportunity for Solar Insiders to sort of broadcast its audience, you know, to improve its audience, just sort of, you know, have its little broadcast. Below 10 k's an hour, <laughs> Solar Insiders just comes on. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> How do our sponsors feel Mandatory about that? Mandatory solar insider. Oh, this, oh, now there's a there's a plan. <laughs> Compulsory. Ah <laughs> oh, dear. Look, um, I reckon on that note, we'll just leave that sort of vegetating in everyone's um, everyone's yeah. dreams. Um, I'd like to thank Sean for um for joining the uh, Solar Insiders podcast today and for your continuing sponsorship yeah, here, along here. with Thanks, Solar Analytics and um and Open Solar. Yeah. Yeah, good on you guys. Um, thank you very much. And um... no, thank you guys. Look, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and and, uh, and have a chat. And um, and you know, we love what you're doing. So uh, it's 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 an honour, really, to uh, to be able to sponsor such a, a quality show. Well, thanks well, for your support, mate. It's awesome. It is. Thank you very much. And look, thank you, thank you oh, also yeah. to our other sponsors, um, Solar Analytics and also Open Solar um, with Sunwiz. Um, um, very much appreciated. Um, thanks to everyone listening out there. Um, please do leave a review. It does help um, make this program more popular. Um, check out our other podcasts, particularly Energy Insiders, which is a weekly one. And um, Nigel, we'll be back again in a fortnight with um, more adventures in the solar world. <laughs> I'll look forward to that. Thanks for tuning in. Good on you. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with Open Solar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.